The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan, and I will be your host for today. And I have a very special guest joining me. His name is Britton Bishop. And if you've listened to this podcast for a very long time, then you'll recognize his name because he has been here before. Uh, But Britton, thank you so much for joining. It's good to have you here. Absolutely. I remember saying whenever I was on the podcast last, the only way I would ever come back is if Charlie wasn't on here. So it is a pleasure that you have <laughs> met those that you met that uh, request, and so that's what it took to get me on here was the fact that Charlie wouldn't be, and so <laughs> glad to be here without Charlie. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, obviously, <laughs> wish Charlie was here. Uh, love the bro, but this will be much better without him. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey man, I'm here uh, to make people happy, so there you go. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What's been going on in your life? How's things going? Yeah, man, I don't remember how long ago it was on here. I think a lot's happened. I, uh, I've moved from uh, Oklahoma up to northern Michigan. Um, I'm pastoring at a church up here called the Tabernacle. Um, one of our fellow Forge speakers is uh, my lead pastor, John Vermilia. So I'm up here on staff. I'm the youth and young adults pastor for um, both our campuses up here, which is exciting. Um, I got married. Uh, yeah, I got married to the most incredible out of my league, Jesus loving, like whatever else Adrian says, uh, <laughs> woman named Hope. Uh, she's freaking awesome. Sorry for not allowed to say that on here, uh, but she is. Uh, she's incredible. She loves Jesus and uh, she loves his body. And she, uh, so it's cool. She, yeah, I'm much better uh, now than I ever was with her in my life. So it's been cool. Got married. Um, what else is going on? Got a dog. Yeah, and just trying to stay warm up here there in northern Michigan. So that's the that's the most important. I uh growing up in Colorado, people are always like, Wow, winter out there must be really rough. And then my wife, it her family lived in Wisconsin for a decade. And so we would go visit them uh during like winter break or Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever. And I'm like, nothing compares to Midwest oh. winter. Yeah, like it's, it's so just- cold here. I remember when I first moved here, like they always talked about this thing called lake effect. And I didn't even know what that was because the Great Lakes, you don't know what they are until you see them, first of all. Like I learned about them in geography or whatever that was. But then they're like lake effect snow is when a snowstorm comes and it never stops. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So like one day, because I'm from the south, one day it snows like four inches. And I was like, was that lake effect? And they're like, no, you'll know. (laughs) And then like, I remember like a week goes by, it snows again. I'm like, that had to have been lake effect. They're like, no, you'll know. And then one day I go in to work and then like I come downstairs like three hours later and there's like 20 plus inches of snow and they're like, that's lake effect. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I want to go home now. So, <laughs> so yes, 100%. It's freezing up here. Um, it snows, it's windy, but it's beautiful during the summer and we'll take it. There you go. Yeah, uh, nothing. It's a, it's a lot greener in the Midwest because of that lake oh, yeah. effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, so we, uh, 
as you know, Britain, and as everybody listening knows, the whole goal of this podcast is to equip kingdom laborers. And uh, I love what God is burning on your heart lately. And so for those of you listening, um, this is just, you know, this is one more helpful tidbit about being a kingdom laborer. So uh, lead the way, Britain. Would love to hear what's on your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. We were just talking about like what's on my heart. What are the things that God's been teaching me or what have I been learning? And I think I'm just really because I, I do student ministry. And so the goal within that ministry with the next generation, especially, is for them to get and grasp an understanding of what the fullness of the gospel implies for their whole life, not just for that moment at the altar or that moment at camp or that moment at that church service when they played oceans and it was just, I got the tingles and now I'm in, right? Whatever that might be. But what does a lifelong surrender to the gospel look like? What does a lifelong yes look like, right? Like if Eugene Peterson talks about a long obedience in the same direction. And so through that lens, I, I, just through studying different things, trying to get students to understand the implications of the gospel in their everyday lives and not just in the big moments, right? And through that, I found myself reading Psalm 103, and it's the forgiving God of David. And and in it, he, he starts off and he says, my soul bless the Lord and do not forget all benefits. Hmm all his benefits. And then he proceeds and he talks about how God, he forgives, he heals, he redeems your life from the pit. All of us really like that part. He crowns with <laughs> love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed and it just continues. He executes, he does these things. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love and all of this. But then there was this part that really stuck out to me and all that stuff is good. And it continues. He's compassionate, all this. But then down at the bottom in verse 14, not 15, I was wrong in the pre, pre-show pre jam. <laughs> verse 14, Psalm 103. This could potentially be my life verse moving forward. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. Mm. And uh, there's a, a woman at our church. She's a wife of one of our pastors, uh, Heidi, if she ever listens to this. And she always reminds us, God has low expectations for dust. Mm. And I think that's such a good reminder, right? Not a license to do less, not a license to to be less, but a reminder of our state in in relationship to who God is. Mm. Is that we're dust. That's that's how we came to form and at the end of the day that's what it is and he's God, we're not. So how do we live in light of that understanding the implications of that on our life moving forward? I don't know if that yeah. Makes sense. So yeah, that just got it me does. thinking on that. And it's like, what does that mean for the gospel for us today? Right. And uh, it, I feel like another way of saying that is we're dust and he's not dust, right? right. Like, yeah, we are not God. And uh, I think that brings clarity to what it means that God has low expectations for dust. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love what you had said earlier about how that doesn't mean we should stop being obedient. Uh, It doesn't mean that we should not try to honor him in everything that we do, but it does mean that he's not expecting us to change the world uh, because that's what he does, not what we do. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead. I'm curious for you. So you and Charlie, you guys travel all over the world, all this crazy stuff. And I'm curious how much of this is just the Western culture in which we exist, Mm -hmm. but how much the church today, and I'm a part of the local church. I love the local church. It is the bride of Christ. You are as well. Charlie is as well. So this is not shots at the local church, right? Right. But just this question of how much in Western culture today do we lose sight of the fact that God's going to be the one that does the work? 
because there are moments and instances and programs and things where we can provide a lot and it feel like we're God Mm. and we lose sight of the power of what he's doing in the midst of those things because we would rather have tangible obedience. Yeah. I, uh, I think that it's something that we see everywhere in the world, uh, everywhere I've gone, there is this human tendency to insert ourselves as God. Uh, I think, uh, there's a famous old theologian, Calvin, I think said, um, we are perpetual idol factories. Uh, we, we just, we love to make idols and I think we love to make idols of ourselves and worship ourselves. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's the temptation. When we stop thinking that we're dust and start thinking that we're something special, we right. start touching God's glory, one, which is super dangerous. Like we don't ever want to touch God's glory. And two, we start to, uh, we start to not really understand what it, what it means that he's the one doing the heavy lifting. And right. because we've exported American Christianity everywhere where our missionaries have gone, and some missionaries have done a better job and other missionaries have not done such a great job, but because of that mentality, they're definitely, like everywhere I go in the world, there's a programmatic approach that puts humans kind of in the driver's seat rather than yeah. God in the driver's seat, so. Yeah, that's, I've, heard it, uh, I've heard it said before. Um, the problem is we're not God. And that's been our greatest concern since the garden. Exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. original, that was the original temptation. Right. You'll be like yeah. God, you yeah, know? Absolutely. But I think it's a good reminder, right? And I think as well, it takes pressure off. Mm. That no, he's not interested in your ability to perform. He's not interested in your ability to be enough. He's interested in your ability to obey, to surrender, to say, Yes, uh, some really wise speaker, man, this guy changed my life with this sentence, and I say it everywhere I go now, was real Christianity says yes to Jesus every time. I don't, I can't think of the guy's name. I think it was Nathan Burdick, but I'm not 100% on that guy's name, but uh, I have definitely taken credit for it one too many times. But uh, yeah, yeah. but I heard a wise man once say, if a bullet fits, shoot it. So <laughs> Amen. More people need to hear it. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, what what do you look what do you think that that looks like practically speaking so obviously theoretically speaking we're not god obviously right. what does that mean at the end of the day for for like someone in your student ministry how do you try to encourage them in the fact that they're not god what 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 do you want them walking away with yeah absolutely i think one um walking away with confidence in the fact that where god has you is where you need to be Right. So often people discount, especially in student ministry, like well, I'm in middle school. What do you want me to do? Or I'm in high school or I'm an accountant or I'm a stay at home mom or whatever that is. And we begin to discount where God has us and start to wish it away instead of looking for opportunities in the midst of the mundane to just be obedient to where God has us and trusting the fact that he has better ideas. And so for the stay at home mom out there, like, man, what a mission field. What an incredible avenue for you to get to raise up the next generation of disciples and to do that in a way that honors and serves and points back to Jesus and serves in a way that he served you. And and I think those little things, but for practically speaking, because my context is the next generation, but as well, I'm with young adults now, too, is just asking the question, what is an area of your life where you're scared to take a risk of obedience? Mm. What is that space for you? For some, it's the locker room. For some, it's the lunch table. For some, it's the water cooler. Or it's the neighbor across the street. Or it's 
in that relationship that you really shouldn't be in, but you know that if you take that risk of obedience, it might make it uncomfortable. But asking that question, what is that risk of obedience? And it's not that it's a risk to obey God, but for us in our human state, it feels like it is, mm -hmm. right? Saying yes is scary right now. This feels like I'm taking a big risk to trust that he's God, I'm not. And so just really, I mean, trying to make it personal for our students, I think that's one thing that I try not to do um, or try not to discount is the power of the spirit working in their lives, even if they are a seventh grader, but asking and providing space where they can just listen and ask Jesus, um, what, what, what's my yes today for you? What, what do you have for me? Right. Spirit, Holy spirit, come and speak to me. What is it? And mm -hmm. I think often that that's, that's where I find myself. And so practically speaking, um, the challenge I often give is just, are you providing ample space for him to communicate what he's calling you to? Amen. And it, it makes so much sense in light of us just being dust. Like I, when we take ourselves too seriously, we start to get it in our head somehow that we're the we're the heavy mover. We're the one mm -hmm. saving somebody. We're the one, you know, when in reality, he's the one doing all that, which kind of takes the stress off. Like I can take a risk because I'm dust. Like I'm yeah. here to stay gone tomorrow, <laughs> you know, right. like oh, if I fail, God's not going to fail. Right. Like God is always going to succeed in what he desires to accomplish in this world. And uh, I, I love that you kind of make it really practical in the sense of like, because we're just dust, we can just say yes and be confident 100%. that God's going to show up. Yeah. And I'm a gunslinger by nature in the sense of like, I'm not one, if you, you know this probably better than most, I'm not one to plan most things out. Like I'm not, it drives my wife insane, but like, no, we just go, and we do it. Mm. And I think, but I, I think that and there's a way to balance it, right? I'm not saying that the way I do things is perfect, but I think as Christians, we get this kind of paralysis of analysis that we need to find ourselves and create a space in which we can manage rather than embracing the mystery of what might God do here, right? Mm -hmm. Creating these goals, these, these, these things that the only way this is going to happen is if God shows up. Mm -hmm. The only way we are going to reach the whole world is if God's a part of it, right? And I think we're proving that to ourselves often in our, in our minuscule efforts to go make impact that, that God's not a part of. And I, I had a pastor ask me once and it wrecked me, bro. It was, I was down to the count for a minute. As he said, if the Holy Spirit left your ministry, how long would it take you to notice? Mm. And I think that this is that reminder for me. In my personal life, if the Holy Spirit wasn't present, how long would it take me to notice? Am I manufacturing this idea of obedience and manufacturing this idea of spirituality? Mm. And I'm not actually embracing the mystery and the love and the guidance of the Spirit of God into that space. And I think that people do that in ways of, man, I serve here, there, and everywhere. Awesome. Do that. Has God asked you to, though? Mm. Or is this you trying to earn it? Is this you trying to get into that space of, hey, this is what I'm doing, and this is all the stuff. And it's like, good, right? Those things aren't bad. Right. Why you're doing it is really important as well. And I think that, that, that often we try to manufacture this spirituality rather than embracing the fact that God might have a really, 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 really simple yes for you to say, and it will profoundly change the world. Mm. Right. And I just think about that. I wonder, I wonder why people struggle so much with this idea. Um, one thing that's coming to mind is I think that we struggle with 
things that are not like black and white and relationships are like the least black and white thing on planet earth, you know, like beyond just like I'm married or I'm not married. Like it doesn't like that's as black and white as it gets when you're dealing with another person, including the person of God, the father or the person of God, the son or the person of God, the Holy spirit, when you're dealing with another person, things are more complicated and it's, it's more difficult to analyze if I'm being successful. It's more difficult to measure. It's more difficult to do all of those things. But I think that there's joy in it because you're not because there's something deep and profound about the living Jesus using you to impact the world around you versus you digging deep and mustering it up for however long you can fake it and, you know, to try and represent something to the world that's not actually there. And uh, it's more complicated, but it's also way better. (laughs) 100 percent. Yeah, I think for me, the struggle within it, for me, whenever I think about why don't I do this all the time, right? Because it can be easy when you're talking about this. But I think it's because my whole life at times is me trying to get from A to Z, right? This is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. Whether that's this is the person I want to lead to Christ and this is where the ending point is. And we discount B to Y. And we discount all the steps in between and what God might do along the whole entire journey because we just want the end result. We just want the microwaved pizza and we don't want to make the bread and we don't want to do the homemade and we don't want to put it in the oven, right? I'm hungry now. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I think that that's often for me. I'm impatient. Um, I desire acceptance through approval. Um, I often am insecure. Um, And I think that those are spaces in which it's easier for me to manufacture results than to trust that God loves me, even in the mundane, even in the slow moments, even in the days where it seems like I didn't do anything for him. Mm. He still loves me. Mm. And rather than trying to prove to him day in and day out why he should, the question I often need to ask myself is, why won't I just receive it? And then live out of that abundance rather than trying to accrue it. Mm. I think that's the thing we often forget and miss in our in our walk with Christ is the fact that we have as much love as we'll ever get from God right now. There is no more. There is no less. And so rather than living this life of like trying to accrue and, and get more and what would it look like to live out of the abundance of what we've already been given? I think it's a question. I ask myself often because it's, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. Right. I mean, it's, we have issues. We grew up, we have scars and we've been dropped and we got dents and things are difficult and life happens around you. And it can be easy to go back to the things that you've developed over time to feel accepted, loved, and seen. And, and unfortunately, often we put God in those same places that that's what it takes to be loved and seen by him. And that's just not true. And I think that that's, the promise that we see here is the fact that he forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. And it just, I mean, it keeps, it goes on and on and on. But I think that it's just a good reminder that all of those things that I just read aren't possibilities. They're realities, they're promises. And I think that often the way we live in relationship with God is we feel like his blessings are possibilities if we do it right. 
rather than they're the promises of what his son has already finished. Mm. And we, and I think that that's just culture leaking in or trauma leaking in, whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, I think we overcomplicate it big time. It's true. I, uh, so I, I was a real shy, awkward kid growing up and, uh, sat at many lonely lunch tables. I've shared that on the podcast before, (laughs) uh, but, um, in sixth grade, I got an award uh, at our sixth grade continuation, which was like, six, you know, all of the sixth grade classes from my elementary school, you know, like 400 kids and all of their parents and blah, 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 blah. Maybe 400 is too many, but like a lot. I of, and I, I feel invisible, right? My whole existence, I just, especially at school, my parents always did a great job seeing me, but everywhere else, I just feel invisible. And so they call out my name at sixth grade continuation and I received this award and all of these kids who had never seen me before saw me and they're giving me a round of applause. And from sixth grade until like two months ago, I'm spending a lot of time and energy uh, trying to be seen by people by performing for them. So, and that includes my relationship with God, just like what you're saying. Like, yeah. and I know that you as an athlete, you probably have that performance mentality as well. Oh, I got to be successful. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was just doing it in the nerdy schooly way versus right. the throwing a football way. But yeah. I was doing the exact same thing. And I was trying to earn God's approval for so long. And uh, I didn't I didn't feel like I was seen by him unless I was performing, which is like a lie straight from the pit of hell. Right. Yeah. My my performance reveals my love for God, whether if I'm obedient, that's me communicating to God that I love him. But it's not me earning his love. You you hit the nail right on the head when you said we have all of like God loves us as much as he'll ever love us, which is a yeah. lot like it's yeah. more than we could ever dream or fathom. You can't understand how deep and wide and and long and just like what it says in the scriptures. So uh, I, I, I so passionate passionately and personally relate with that. Uh, in fact, one of the things that's characterized the last like three, five months of my life has been God calling me out on that. And it's been an incredibly painful process because it's so closely related to my identity. Like my personhood in my mind is based upon if I have a good job title. It's based upon if I am doing all the right stuff perfectly all the time, always. And uh, God has been in the in the most wonderful God way possible, just tearing that out of my life. And uh, it has been the least comfortable time that I can remember since I first surrendered my life to Jesus. That was a very uncomfortable time as yeah. well, because he was like chipping away at some like really obvious stuff. And then t- now 10 years later, he's like, hey. This is another thing that needs to go. <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, that that scripture in James, I memorized it as like five years ago. You know, count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. They may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So I memorize it and it's just fancy words to me. And I understand intellectually that I'm supposed to count it as joy. But the question in my mind is like, how in the world would anybody count struggles as joy? But now I've experienced it and I've seen the 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 fact that I think God's going to make me more 
the the man that he desires for me to be. I'm going to have a greater impact in the world around me because of what he's done in my life recently. And now I'm thinking about that and looking at it. And I'm like, oh, this is how you can be. This is how you can be thankful for it, because because it's so good, even though it's right. so uncomfortable. It's also so good. Absolutely. I, I love the way Romans five. I haven't I didn't memorize this, but Romans five where it talks about um by faith into his grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that our afflictions um, produce endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because love, God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And it's just that promise that yes, we rejoice in the grace, we rejoice in the mountaintop moments. I'm so glad people go to camps. Nathan, you and I wouldn't be able to pay our bills if they didn't. Right? <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest, right? But that's not the reason. But I'm pumped that people go to camps and they're a part of churches and that churches are doing a good job in inviting the Spirit of God into places and people are experiencing him in tangible ways. Mm. But also we have to not discount the fact that in hard times, it's the same Spirit of God that is going to bring you hope through that moment. It's not just a tingle. Right. The difficult times more often than not are the ones that stick even more. Mm. And I've, I've, I had a, a person explain it to me. You live in Colorado, so you get this right. You look at the mountaintops and whenever you look at those mountaintops, sometimes they're white, sometimes they're rocky, but there's always a timber line. Right. But underneath that timber line is where we begin to see all this growth happen. Mm. And this person explained it in the way. And I think I may have said this before, but it's. Growth doesn't happen on the mountaintops. Now, it's beautiful, and you can see, and it's incredible, but it's when you get down in the bottom, that's where you start to experience growth, and you begin to see the, the life that is happening down there, and it's messy, and everything's eating each other, and it's this grueling process, but at the same time, it's beautiful. And when you're on the mountaintop, you don't look at the sky. You're looking down at all the trees. Mm. And so I think often, yeah, we can't live our life by mountaintops. We can navigate it through those often we discount the process of growth that happens in the valley. Mm. We discount the fact that God is a part of this, that he's here in the midst of this, that maybe he has a plan for this. Mm. Uh, a friend of both of ours, extremely wise dude named Foster Christie says, Lord, don't deliver me until you're done developing me. Mm. And I just wonder how many people, what Christian living discipleship of whatever you want to call it would look like if that was the prayer of followers of jesus Lord, don't deliver me till you're done till you're done developing me don't hey. bring me out of this uncomfortable situation until you are until i'm in a place that i'm ready to be used by it oh, i just think it could be profound absolutely and uh i think that's a great note to to end our conversation on don't deliver me until you're finished developing me. That is a yeah. profound and wonderful statement. Well, Britton, thank you so much for uh, sharing what God has been burning on your heart recently. I know it has been a blessing to me. I'm sure it'll be a blessing to everybody who listens to this podcast. If uh, anybody wanted to get into contact with you, how what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, best way to get in contact is honestly Instagram, um, Britton.Bishop on Instagram. Uh, Follow me there, message me there, whatever it is. I've got an email at Forge. I don't know what it is, but it's probably on the website. Uh, if you want to 
contact and reach out to book me as a speaker, you can do that through uh, Forge's website as well. But uh, any complaints, uh, those go directly to Charlie Marquis. <laughs> and uh, any compliments on this episode go directly to Nathan. So that's the way we're going to work this one. So there we go. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Really, really Absolutely, appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you guys for joining this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. Uh, we hope you have a great day. God bless.